0: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
2: Hello, this is Irene and Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show to all you listening around the world. As you know, if you've been here before, we're here to have a good time and to talk about how we can do better, be better, and have a happier life. I broadcast from sunny Arizona in the USA, and today is one of those perfect days here, the kind we want to remember when it gets oh so hot in the summer. Our theme song is No More Mr. Nice Guy, for those of you who follow Alice Cooper, and we chose that for two reasons. You'll find that when you start taking care of yourself, when you really do some self-improvement work and begin taking your power back, you are able to say No, and people that have always expected a yes sometimes don't quite understand that and think you're not as nice anymore as you used to be. Don't worry about it. It'll all fall into place later down the line. So continue with your self-improvement work and enjoy Alice Cooper. The other reason we chose him is because he lives here in Phoenix and he really truly is one of the nicest guys in town. He was just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on March 14th And we congratulate him and hold open an invitation for when he can be on our show. We're looking for sponsors who'd like to have exposure on this show. And if you've heard us before, you know we believe in shameless promotion of our sponsors and our guests. Uh, If you're interested in being a um, sponsor, you'll get space also on the Self-Improvement blog. So contact Scott Duffy at Voice America or me at the Self-Improvement blog and we'll get you started. I want to acknowledge and thank our engineer, Randy, who makes this sound good, and all those at Voice America who make this broadcast possible. Voice America World Talk Radio is the pioneer in Internet radio, and if you're interested in having a show of your own, call them first. You won't be sorry. This show is being pre-recorded, which means you won't be able to call in, and it's being played on St. Patrick's Day, so we salute you, we salute the Irish and the wannabe Irish all around the world. It's a party-hearty day for you, and we wish you great fun and lots of good health on this holiday, and encourage you to stay away from too much green beer. Next week's guest is Jeffrey Hull. Jeff is author of Shift, Let go of fear and get your life in gear. And the host of Life Shift with Dr. J on WBLQ Westerly, Rhode Island, will be talking about getting your life in gear. And I can guarantee you don't want to miss this show. Today's guest is a very special lady. Her name is Carlin Sloan. She holds a BA and and an MA in clinical psychology and is an executive coach. Sorry, has an executive coach certification. As founder and CEO of Carlin Sloan & Company, she provides organizational development consulting, training, and executive coaching. That's, a, that's big. Uh, to clients in the United States, South America, and Asia. She is a frequent presenter on the topic of executive leadership development and has been featured on ABC News Network's Money Scope Fox Channel 5's Good Day New York, and Boston Cable Network's The Art of Coaching. She's written a a book that, in my opinion, is a must-read. It's called Unfear, Facing Change in an Era of Uncertainty. And she has a quote in her book that I think really sets the stage for what she's going to have to say. She asks you this question. What would happen if you got out of fear and took a chance on life as an individual, as a leader, or as a whole organization. Today we're going to be discussing the concept of unfear. Carlin, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Thank
3: you so much, Irene. I'm really delighted to be here this morning and uh, happy St. Patrick's Day.
2: Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm half Irish, so I can claim a little bit of the fun. Yeah, I have a quarter Irish in there somewhere. Well then, hey, here's to you, Lassie. No, Lassie's Scottish. Thanks so much. Tell us a little bit about what led up to the development of Sloan & Company, because you have a premier organization there and do a lot of work around the, the country. Tell us how you got there.
3: Yeah, so I I came to this work, this leadership development work in a kind of funny way. I was um, living in San Francisco uh, doing um, internship work for a graduate degree in clinical psychology and my day job was working as a leadership development consultant in Silicon Valley. So um, I learned in this tiny little company, this wonderful boutique consulting environment and I had mentors and it was so exciting, and I would go from my days where I would be training people and learning these new models of how to lead, and then at night I would go and, and uh, work with the urban poor in this clinical setting. And it was a really interesting time for me, sort of deciding what career path I would take. But I ended up really feeling like the best impact that I could have would be in big organizations, and, uh, and I chose it, and I've never looked back.
2: But didn't your work in psychology help you immensely in this kind of work? Yeah, it's just been invaluable.
3: It's so funny. I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, well, don't you use that,
2: uh, that every day and, Indeed, I do. <laughs> and yeah, and leadership to- and consulting is all about working with and inspiring and leading people to do bigger things. So, right. you know, what better preparation?
3: Yeah, I think it was really helpful. And I also think I had to unlearn some things from clinical psychology. And I had to really think about, you know, in, in graduate school, part of what we learn is all about how to pathologize people and look for what's wrong. Yes. And I think that that was the biggest thing I had to undo from my education is start looking for the good and what's
2: possible. Ah, so so you're saying you might be an advocate of the positive psychology movement. You bet. It's such an
3: important piece of our work in leadership development is really looking at the most wonderful breakthrough research in positive psychology and what we can do uh, with that.
2: Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the mission of Sloan & Company, what you do.
3: Yeah, so Carlin Sloan & Company is a leadership development consulting company, and our mission is to build smarter, faster, better organizations one leader at a time. And we have a really specific definition of that, and uh, we think that to be smarter, you have to let go of being the expert and help other people become smart. And to go faster, you need to slow down and think before you act. Um, And better is really about being better with other people rather than being better than other
2: people. Oh, that's a a lovely concept, one that a lot of people need to learn.
3: Oh, I think so, too. And especially, you know, we're taught in our our education process to compete with each other. And once you get into these organizational settings, you kind of have to do another unlearning process uh, which is unlearning that, you know, you have to win at all costs against the other people on your team. And I think teaming really requires that better with attitude.
2: Let me ask you this about competition. As you travel around the, the world, literally, do you find there's a big difference in terms of the competitiveness of people in different countries, you know, different um, competitive spirit in Asia than in America, different competitive spirit in South America? What do you find yeah, there?
3: I, I think there is. I think, I think in the United States you see a lot more people inside of one organization competing with their coworkers and colleagues. And you won't see that in Asia and Latin America in the same way. Um, you'll see people competing as teams and as a company against other companies. And there's something um, that I really like about that because people are looking out for each other, and it's something that, uh, that I hope that we bring into the U.S. organizations that we work with is a more collaborative spirit where people are being rewarded as teams rather than just for their own individual heroism.
2: How do you even begin in that? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, oh my, I've been in organizations before and everybody's team competed with everybody else's team. You you were encouraged to have that kind of competition, I guess, because they figured you'd have more productivity. Um, right. And,
3: yeah, I think, I think the first place to start, and it's a great question, it's, you know, organizations are so big and so complicated, but I think one great place to start is, replacing the idea of competition with this idea of coopetition. And oh,
2: interesting word. Yes, Break that one down. It's, it's
3: a great word. There's even a book about it, and I can't remember the folks who wrote it, but wonderful concept that, you know, we can compete and, and uh, cooperate at the same time. And there are some great examples of organizations that have done that. And you just have to look at Apple and Microsoft, uh, you know, these these fierce competitors in the marketplace and see that they've, they've cooperated in all sorts of ways. You know, you can put Windows on your Macintosh and you can put iTunes on your PC. So it's, uh, it requires a lot, of, a lot of vision and collaborative skill. But I think and everybody wins.
2: Everybody wins.
3: That's the idea. That's the idea.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm going to throw this at you. You do a great deal of traveling. Do you do pretty much the same kind of work as you go around the world? You know,
3: yeah, you know,
2: I um, I
3: do do a lot of traveling, <laughs> and I'm laughing because because uh, I'm I'm right now sort of fighting off some uh, some little bug from an airplane.
2: Oh, I'm Um, sorry.
3: And I think that there's something about the travel that um, I I want to make sure I highlight this idea that in leadership, self-care is of the utmost importance. (laughs) Oh, Um, yes. And when you talk about doing better and being better and having a better life, there's a principle from my new book, Um, that's around practicing physical and mental discipline. And I just want to pull that out and say travel requires practicing physical and mental discipline. Yes,
2: it does. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your new book, Unfear, is the title. What does the word unfear mean?
3: Unfear means confidence in our ability to create a positive outcome no matter what the
2: circumstances are. Okay, say that again.
3: Uh, okay, I'll say it again. <laughs> confidence in our ability to create a positive outcome no matter what the circumstances.
2: And we all need that, don't we?
3: We really do. And when when I set out to write this book, I was thinking about fear and I was thinking about different words, and, and when I experimented with fearless and courageous, nothing really fit, um, so I had to make up my own word. <laughs> and so unfear, that confidence in our ability to create positive outcomes um, really seems to have uh, caught on with people.
2: You know, it, it puts your mind on tilt when you first see it, and then you think, oh, yeah, that's a really great word. You no, unfear, it says a lot more than just lack of fear or fearless. Well, thank uh,
3: you. Yeah, I think it does, too. You know, fearlessness, sometimes that can be a problem. You know, if, we, if we're if we completely fearless, we're not thinking.
2: Exactly. What does unfear mean to you in terms of, uh, I, I guess I want to say in terms of facing some of the chaos we're seeing in society today, no matter where you are?
3: Well, what it means to me personally, I I really feel that this is all about the circumstances ahead for us, you know, in, in our culture as world citizens, you know, with our planet and what's happening with our ecology and climate change and economic change. We can get overwhelmed so easily with what's going on all around us. Um, We can get overwhelmed just turning on the television and seeing, you know, protests in the street in North Africa and chaos and food riots. And I, I think if we continue down the path of feeling disempowered, that we will have greater problems and we won't be able to solve them collectively. And my hope is that if we adopt this, this theme of unfear, this confidence in our ability to create positive outcomes, will become more active in the face of those challenges. You know, we won't shut ourselves down, but we'll actually think. When we see news we don't like, we'll think about it and say, well, what
2: can I do about that,
3: rather than feeling like we're disempowered.
2: Interesting concept in light of all the riots that are going on around the world right now, and, you know, people in some of the countries who've never been able to protest are protesting now, and I I've thought about your concepts often while watching the news in, uh, of some of the protests going on in mainly the the Middle East countries, mm-hmm. and and how much fear some of those people must be experiencing. Yeah, um, incredible
3: fear and incredible bravery, and um, and I think you know. When you see these populations, particularly of young people who have no access to jobs, well-educated young people with no access to jobs, no way to contribute to their community, you know, you get this incredible energy for change. and yes, it can be scary, and it can also be exciting.
2: And I hold think- that thought because it's time for us to take a short break. Uh, We'll come back with more discussion on this concept of on fear. This is Irene Conlon with the self-improvement show and my guest, Carlin Sloan. We'll be right back.
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash world talk radio or search for us at keyword world talk radio.
0: What's missing in your life? Do you feel like you've lost your identity? Are you trying to cope with a loss in your life? Are you trying so hard to be a people pleaser? Stop. Invest some time in Dr. Marla Sloane's program, Mind Over Matters. This program will help you find the answers to these questions and more. Dr. Marla's passion is to help people to be the best they can be. And this program does just that. Tune in to Mind Over Matters with Dr. Marla every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
1: Follow the World Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at World Talk Radio. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the World Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash World Talk Radio, or follow along with us at World Talk Radio, the World Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 186-613-1612. That's 186-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self-Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlin.
2: This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show with my guest, Carlin Sloan. We've been talking about unfear uh, and talking about the chaos that's going on uh, around the country around the world actually but let's get back to your purpose you work with business leaders is this idea of unfear applicable to people who aren't in your core audience yeah I think it's really something we all
3: need and I think about it in terms of you know just a life attitude um, and if we think we're able to c- create positive outcomes no matter what the circumstance, think of the difference that that makes in your life in general. Um, I've actually had people read the book and talk to me about personal issues rather than leadership issues. It seems to be a concept that really hits people you know, on the heart level.
2: And you're absolutely right. It, it did me, too, and I'm thinking, oh, I can use these concepts anywhere.
3: Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited that that, that was your experience. You know what? When, when I started to write the book, um, I, I was at a conference, and I w- it was a big leadership conference on business and the environment, and there were a lot of very prestigious folks there, leaders of governments and big companies, and, you know, and... I found myself feeling so alienated and so sad during this conference. Mm. And part of it was because they were presenting all this really scary stuff with no real solutions, and they didn't do anything to build our community. And I really felt like there was this lost opportunity. You know, if here are all these leaders, and they're all getting this information dump that's all this huge data about, you know, things that are really challenging – you know they need community they need other people to talk to about that and we as humans just need that for whatever we're going
2: through oh yeah but don't you think it's a lot easier to just pull out all the problems and hang them out (laughs) with no solutions the solutions are a little harder to come by (laughs)
3: it is and we also think that you know we have to you know we have such limited time we have to squeeze it all in so we'll squeeze in all the information but we won't give it any time for processing that information.
2: Exactly. Is this why you thought it was important to write the book? What what spurred you on to write this this lovely book?
3: That was really it. I had this moment at this conference where I just thought, you know, if, if this is the way I feel, um, and I'm looking at these leaders who are really tasked with leading us out of some of these big world problems, and if they're feeling like me at this moment, there's a there's a big problem here.
2: And you do see the fear in them, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
3: And, you know, we really have to get into that mode where we're looking at what's possible and we accept what's real and we focus on the future. Um, you know, if we look at where we're at in the United States right now around the deficit, I, I think we're at $1.6 or something like that. And that's the reality that... We, we need to be able to look at it straight in the eye and say that's what's real and then focus on a positive future. You know, we can't ignore it, but we don't want to just keep showing the number over and over again with no solution.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday I saw a, ser- a story of a couple of states actually that were trying to balance the budget, and I can't remember where it is. I, my mind is just blank right now that the, the firemen, the public – employees were were picketing because they were going to be, their salary was going to be cut and they're, you know, they're picketing. The governor's trying to pay for all the expenses of the state and they're saying, no, we're not going to accept that. And I mean, everybody was looking fearful and I'm thinking, oh, they need to read unfair. Uh, so actually, you know, I wanted to ask you if you've seen leaders leading from fear and Yeah, we're seeing it every day now, aren't we?
3: I think we are. I mean, you you know, the typical, when we leave from fear, we hold on to information, we get really territorial, we start looking out for ourselves rather than for the greater good, and it's really coming from a place of survival. And I think it's important to remember to have compassion for people who are in leadership roles. You know, If they're acting from fear, they're, they're in a survival mode. They want to survive. They want to do something positive. Maybe it's save themselves and their family. Um, but helping them to get out of that, it's a, it's a discipline that you have to help people with. And I think we all go there. We all go to those moments where we feel like our survival is at stake and we operate from fear-based behavior.
2: It's interesting that fear on somebody else looks different than it feels in us, isn't it?
0: Yeah, <laughs> And we absolutely. look at a leader
2: who's in fear and say, oh, well, they're weak. Yes. yes. And we probably in their shoes would maybe even be a little weaker. (laughs) 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 I I don't want to put that out there as a positive.
3: (laughs) But I I think that, um, you know, it it really highlights something important is that we're attuned to judgment a lot of the time. Yes. we get into this mode where we judge everybody and we're judging people's performance and we're judging the leaders for what they're saying and doing and we're judging ourselves and we're judging our colleagues and our friends and... I think if we step more into compassion uh, that we have a better chance of helping each other out of fear. When we look at somebody with judgment, uh, we tend to distance ourselves from that person. But when we look at someone for what's good in them and what they're trying to do, we actually feel more pulled to help. And I think we're going to need that as a society. We really need to help each other. We need to stop feeling like we're so distanced and start really getting connected.
2: And I know you have some things that you recommend. In fact, you have four practices that you recommend. Um, Tell us about those practices and how we go about applying them to these situations of fear. Great. So so my
3: first practice here. This is something I want you to think of for yourselves, listeners. Accept the real and focus on the future. So what is the reality that you need to accept right now? Really think about that. What is real for you? And how do you focus on a positive future? You know, get an image of something positive in the future.
2: So let's go to that governor whose state is in upheaval because of the public... Servants are protesting his need to balance the budget. Yeah. How would he? How would you help him look at that situation and assess the real? Well, I don't I
3: mean to first, just. I mean I don't mean to put you on the spot. But. No, I, I love this. This is this is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. Uh, it gets exciting because I think the reality is that there there is no way to please everyone in this situation. There's no way to meet everyone's needs. And as leaders, we have to be willing to look at that, that we cannot please every constituent. If there isn't an unlimited budget, there's not going to be unlimited funding. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And we have to think through what's a positive future based on that reality. I think it, it requires us to get creative and to start dialoguing with people. So when you have constituents who are rising up and really upset and losing their benefits and losing um, funding for things that are really important things. I mean, we're not looking at a time where we're cutting insignificant stuff. No, um,
2: we're not.
3: You know, this is this is really a time to get people into dialogue around how do we innovate around this. What can we do that's positive?
2: So you're saying the, gov- the governor should... Probably sit down with some of those people who are in leadership on the other side, maybe maybe the unions and some of the striking or protesting workers.
3: Yeah, and I think it's so it's so situationally dependent, like who the right stakeholders are. Um, and I don't know exactly what this situation is, but I'm a, I'm a huge believer in this idea that you know once you once you map out reality, you need to have everyone align around what that reality is. You need to have everybody believe, yes, this really is the problem.
2: They Um, need to walk in the other person's moccasins, don't they? Exactly. Just for a little while.
3: Exactly. And collaboration, building relationship and community is the second principle, the second practice that I recommend. And I think that is a big driver of, of creating those positive futures. Once we have relationship, once we feel like we're in a community together, we're not fighting against each other. We're really trying to help each other to win.
2: Okay. All over the world and in our own country, in our states, we're having this conflict between the leaders and the people. Uh, In corporations, we're having conflict between management and um, the workers. Where do you start helping them build relationships? How do you get a community built in these kind of situations? They're so um, in in such turmoil at the point. Maybe you can get to them before the turmoil starts, but what can you do once it's escalated? Once it's
3: started, yeah.
2: the first thing
3: is that there really are companies doing it right, and I think being able to tell those stories is important and being able to tell people that it's possible is important because, you know, Can if we you don't tell know us something's a possible, we can't do it.
2: Can you tell us a couple stories of companies who are doing it right? Yeah, there's a
3: wonderful book. It's, it's um, about a South American company. The book is called Maverick. And I totally recommend it to people who are interested in leadership and organizations. But it's, uh, it's about a factory, and a young guy took over this factory and started having dialogue with the workers about how to do things better. And if you think about the sort of traditional factory owner and worker dynamic, it is not a positive, happy relationship. Um, And he decided that the key to his success was going to be engaging all of the workforce in solving problems. And he really decided to take away the hierarchy. So he stripped the company of their job titles and their hierarchy.
2: Oh, that's scary.
3: (laughs) It's really scary for some leaders to think about this. And this is a really extreme example. But what started happening is they started bringing solutions to huge problems they started cutting costs. They started, started implementing safety regulations. They started doing things because they felt empowered to do so, and they felt loyal to the company because they felt a sense of pride and ownership over that brand, and that's part of what's possible. There are all sorts of configurations for building relationship and community and organizations, and that's sort of on the far end of the spectrum, but it tells you that we have many ways of operating.
2: So uh, you're telling me that these employees who were just employees and not part of what, where the, you know, part of the decision-making right. function of the company, they sort of became owners. Is well, that well? They really you know,
3: they they didn't become financial owners.
2: But not financial owners, owners.
3: Psychologically. <laughs> They really started to care and feel a sense of of identity related to this company. And I think when we get to that point, and there are lots of companies that are doing amazing things around this. I, I've had the, the pleasure of working with Procter & Gamble, which is an amazing organization as far as what they do in their culture to build relationship and community. And one of the stories in the book is about an initiative at Procter & Gamble around Pure and it's PUR, the water filter brand. And they have a technology that um, was created at PNG uh, that is a it's a basically a little packet that you dump into dirty water that separates out all the bad stuff from the good pure water. And you just filter it through a little piece of fabric and then you have clean water. And this initiative, they've decided to take that little packet all over the world to places where they don't have access to clean, clear water. And they have done incredible things for people all over the world with um, with this access to clean water. And because of that initiative, P&G employees are so proud. They are so proud so proud to work for that company. They're so excited to talk to you about the great impact they're having on the world. And I think that's that's a win for everybody.
2: It is a win for everybody and it's a huge impact on the those people who have no clean water. What what's the most important thing we we have you know, clean water, fresh exactly. air, clean water.
3: Exactly. Pretty- it's our survival and uh, and they're really helping people you know, and and it has a business impact that's so profound. Um, they w- went to a country by request of the country. Carlin, yes. can you
2: hold that thought? Oh, it's can. time for <laughs> us to take a break, and we'll come back and talk about that impact. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Carlin Sloan, and we're going to come back and talk about the impact we can make around the country. Stay tuned. Uh-huh.
4: Find out which guests are being featured this week, read our favorite press releases, and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today, powered by the World Talk Radio Network.
0: If you are looking to get started or are currently operating a home-based business, you might be looking for answers. What are the risks? What business should I get started in? How will I market my business? How do I balance my professional life with my other life? For answers, you need to tune into the Home-Based Business Show with Helene Leonzos. Each week, we'll bring you a step-by-step practical guide to starting and maintaining your home-based business. Listen every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
4: Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected.
1: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon.
2: Welcome back to the Self Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Carlin Sloan. We were talking about Procter and Gamble and their um, work uh, helping people have clean water around the globe. Carlin, continue with that.
3: Well, I was going to mention that uh, they have—they've uh, just made incredible inroads to this, and they've also made some wonderful relationships for their company. So, one of their um, competitors is Unilever, who has great relationships in Latin America, and, um, and P&G thought, okay, well, that's one of the emerging markets that we will look at, and one, uh, so let me back up and say there was an earthquake that resulted in horrible flooding and mudslides in one of the countries that they were targeting, and the president of that country asked, them, asked P&G to come in and help them with c- clean water. And getting people clean water in the villages that had no access. And that initiative, them coming down, doing that work, and building those relationships, has resulted in an immediate, wonderful acceptance of that brand in that country. And it's really authentic. You know, it comes from this very authentic and, and wonderful place where they were able to really do good in that community. And that that uh, good that they have done has really shifted the perspective on their products, and people are really loyal to them because of it.
2: And has done probably more good for our country than any kind of PR at the, you know, State Department level could ever do. Isn't that amazing? It yeah, really, it's quite really quite wonderful. So let's take a look. We've talked about two of The four practices assess the real, um, building relationships and community. Let's go to number three.
3: All right. Well, number three is viewing challenges as opportunities. And this is one that there's some amazing research around this one. So, people who are able to view challenges as opportunities are the ones who have the greatest level of resilience. So, if we look at research on prisoners of war and people who survived horrible ordeals, you'll hear over and over again people saying, you know, I was so lucky um, or I had this amazing opportunity in this. You'll hear cancer survivors. I've, I've listened to many, many interviews with women who survived breast cancer, and so many of them will say this was such a gift, this cancer, It was the most horrible thing in the world that could have happened to me, but it made me rethink my life. I saw this challenge as an opportunity. And when we're able to do that, it puts us in a really amazing space of power and taking our power back. So no matter what's thrown at us, we're able to really look for what's the learning, what's the opportunity, what's the possibility in this circumstance, no matter how bad the circumstance is.
2: And there's some real science behind this. I, I don't know whether you're familiar with Bruce Lipton. He yes. studied you know, the, the impact of our thoughts on our biology, the impact of our beliefs. In fact, he's got a book called Biology of Belief. And scientifically, they have proved that this kind of thinking changes your physiology. So you're really right on track. It
3: really, it it does miracles, this kind of thinking. And uh you know, it changes, it changes our immune system and how our immune system yes. fights disease. You know, it changes our ability to really get through horrible situations. It's really amazing because we're looking for the opportunity. We see it. So I think that's a really, really important one of the uh, four practices. So we've got well, accepting the real and focusing on the future, building relationships and community, Viewing challenges as opportunities. And then number four is the one that people push back on the most, and it is practicing physical and mental discipline. (laughs) I understand why. (laughs) Um, And there are a lot of people, and because I work in these corporate environments where people are really strung out and they're working so hard, I'll bump up against this idea of, well, you know, we can't stop working to take care of ourselves. And the opposite has to be true. You know, we can't work well and efficiently and use our best thinking if we're burned out and tired and sick. And, you know, then we become absentee or we get some stress-related illness or we stop being able to think clearly, and it just doesn't serve anyone. So I think practicing physical and mental discipline, as, much, as painful as it is for some of us, Um, is just foundational for all of this other stuff to work.
2: Do you recommend to corporations that they include some facility or some time or, you know, some way for people to get away from their desk and maybe get a little exercise or, you know, something in the middle of their day? It's
3: so important. And, you know, it can be so small. You know, we think we have to do these big things and, you know, install a gym and whatever. It's not true. You know, if people would just get up and have lunch away from their desks, that makes a big impact.
2: Yes, it does. There are some corporations that even put a gym in for their employees, aren't there?
3: Oh, there are. There are corporations who do amazing things. I I have clients who bring in a masseuse every Friday and give everybody a massage. (laughs) You know, that's like the luxury liner. (laughs) It's fantastic. And it really does make a difference for people. They, they feel happier and more engaged and more comfortable. And, you know, we, we people who work in front of computers, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, I do. <laughs>
3: um, you know, so we work in front of computers, and then we get so addicted to looking at the screen, and we forget to stand up and move our neck and move our hips around and, you know, just stretch. And if we stretched every hour, it would make a really positive impact physically. If you just stood up and walked around the block around your, your building, that would make a big impact. And, and I have worked with teams who will encourage each other to take a walk around the block, and I think that makes a big impact. So it doesn't have to be an hour-long workout a day. It can really be simple, simple easy stuff, just making yourself stretch at your desk <laughs> can be yeah, physical, five
2: minutes discipline. or two minutes even.
3: Exactly. Um. You know, in my office, we have these timers on our computer. Our computers announce the time on the hour. And that's a little signal for us to stand up, take a deep breath, do a little reset. And that practice, you know, it's gotten so ingrained at this point that we, you know, we do it. It's great. Really, really simple. Just make your computer tell you what time it is.
2: And it makes a big difference in your productivity, doesn't it?
3: It really, really does. It really does. And it doesn't have to be a two-week vacation as much as we want that. It, it can be just taking a little break in the <clears throat> middle of our day.
2: And Carlin, you know what? That brings us right up to the time for a next break. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this and see what else Carlin Sloan has to say to us. It's time for a break. We'll be right back. This is Irene Conlon for the Self Improvement Show.
1: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at World Talk Radio or twitter.com forward slash World Talk Radio. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and happenings at the World Talk Radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlin. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlin.
2: This is Irene Conlin. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. We're talking to Carlin Sloan about unfear. Carlin, you're a CEO. In fact, you have quite a large company. How have you used these four practices in your own business, in your own company?
3: Well, I attempt to use them all the time, and I'm not always perfect, but I will tell you, building relationships and community is my leadership theme song. Um, I just think it is the most important thing that we can possibly do, and we have an interesting kind of configuration for our company because we're a virtual company and we have a network of consultants all over the world and they're not all employees. Most of them have a private practice and do some work through us. Um, and so it's so important for us to figure out innovative ways to build relationship and community because we're not all in the same building. you know we don't have the chance to just stop by the water cooler and say hello. So we have to make a really conscious effort and we do that in a few ways, and one is we host learning experiences uh, two to three times a year and invite everyone in our network to attend, and they are so fun, and people will fly in from all over the place for these sessions, and it's because they want that community. People really need time together, and you know, they'll come together, and it is, it's impossible to rein them in. So the first hour, it's like you're know, trying <laughs> yeah. to get them to calm down. It's like a high school class.
2: <laughs> and they finally get to put a face with the voice or oh, with the email. It's so fun, and
3: they, you know, they get to learn about each other. And uh, it's just such a wonderful collegial group and a very generous group of practitioners. So... It's just it's a joy to see them together and it's really fun and we learn something together every time. So we make it about our learning because everyone values that in our company. So we learn some new wonderful thing that applies to our work and we get a chance to talk and be together and those small two-day sessions have made a huge impact on our community and people talk about them years later. Another thing that we do is we have our own social network. we have we have a little uh, virtual online platform that we call the Clubhouse Online. And oh, lovely we, idea. It, oh, it's so great. It's been so fun. and people post their profile and their bio and what they like to do. And we have um, team team uh, groups that uh, share information about our clients that we collaborate on. We have a password protected sort of safe file sharing system on there so we can share documents and we can share pictures and videos and it's just a blast. It works really, really well. So if you if you think it's impossible to build relationship and community if you don't see each other, I'm I'm here to tell you it is possible. It's, hard, it's possible it's now
2: hard. with the Internet. And, and it brought to mind the virtual book tour that you're doing. We haven't talked about that. And I think that's such an incredibly clever, wonderful idea.
3: Oh, yeah. So much fun. So, you know, I I don't have to uh, leave my home to do a virtual book tour. It's
2: really quite amazing. <laughs> In fact, that's how I found you, or I don't know who found who here, but... Uh, I just think it's such a great idea that you can do a book tour and not have to get on a plane and go to a city and sit in a bookstore it's just
3: it is really amazing what you can do online now um and so I will give you the uh a couple of online ways to find me
2: good and tell us how to get your book
3: yeah, so you can get the book by going to carlinsloan.com, dot com and that's k a r l i n S-L-O-A-N dot com. And uh, the book is on the home page. And the other thing that that I will suggest is following me on Twitter because I post some really fun stuff if you're interested in this concept of unfair. And my Twitter handle is Carlin Sloan. Um, So you can just find me at Carlin Sloan on Twitter. But it's been a blast, really, uh, you know, learning about social networking and new ways of connecting online, and it's, it's new for my company, but we've been really having fun with it.
2: It sounds to me like you walk your talk that you're doing in your company, what you're trying to help others learn around the world. It's pretty exciting. It's really exciting. our
3: goal as a company to always walk our talk and to experiment and learn and really develop ourselves as a learning organization, which is what we want for our clients. And, you know, sometimes our experiences are are more challenging and we have to really problem solve, but most of the time it's, you know, because we share values and we share a mission, it's just a really gratifying experience, and it's, it's really fun to be part of this. Um, I will tell you, I feel really privileged to lead my organization, and I know a lot of people who don't feel that way, so... So I'm extra lucky. <laughs>
2: um, oh, I think that, that it shows in your organization that you find it fun to be there.
3: Yeah, you know what? It's really just seeing people's faces when we get together. That's the moment when I, when I know it's working. You know, we're having fun together. We're doing great work in organizations. And, and people feel like they have an impact, which is really what we want for the leaders that we work with.
2: Yes, if there's one thing you want this audience to know or to get about unfear, what, what would that single message be, Carlin?
3: Well, we're all facing change. And, you know, if you're not changing, you're dead. That's, that's the truth of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and every Take your pulse. One of us, you know, we, we all have the power to do something. About the world, we have the power to create the world we want to inhabit, and so don't give up or get distressed about all the weight of the changes that you're you're experiencing. Really look at this as this is this is your moment. This is a moment for you um, to create a better a better you and a better world.
2: And is this the message you'll be taking with you as you go on this next trip? around the around the globe, yeah, it really, it really is.
3: that's that's my big message. I'm extremely passionate about it. i I speak as much as I possibly can about these things and uh, and connect with as many people as I can. And I really feel like i'm I'm on a mission, and uh, and people really resonate with it and and tell me that they they need these messages, particularly when they're working. Too much, too long hours in tough environments against challenging odds. And, uh, and I think we all need to remember that uh, we have each other. You know, we're not alone, and, and we, really, we really do have each other and need to have each other's backs.
2: And I think that's a central message of your book that we need each other. We're so accessible now with the internet. It's so exciting to be able to be friends with somebody on the other side of the world that you've never met, but still you can be in some kind of relationship with.
3: It's really true. It's kind of a miracle. <laughs> um I I think we're and we're and that's the only the beginning. You know, there's so much we're going to see. In the next 10, 20 years with technology, you know, we, we have no idea what's in store. And I think if we could be excited about it rather than fearful around it, I think that's a great opportunity for us.
2: So we need to have our audience grab a hold of the concept of unfear. You need to get Carlin's book. You can get it on her website, uh, carlinsloan.com or on amazon.com, I know. It's just about the end of our show. Next week, we'll be talking to, uh, <laughs> we'll be talking to Jeffrey Hull, excuse me, on that, who wrote the book Shift and Let Go of Fear, Get Your Life in Gear. Uh, we'll be talking about, um, getting your life in order. Carlin, thank you so very much. You've been what I would say the perfect guest. You've given us a lot of information. You've given us a lot of ideas on how we can take care of our own uh, selves in terms of fear and unfear. When you get back from your trip, perhaps we can have you on again.
3: Thank you so much, Irene. I really appreciate
2: it. Thank you. This is Irene Conlon saying goodbye for the Self-Improvement Show and inviting you to come back next week when we talk to Jeffrey Hull. (laughs)
1: Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.